Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. So we have been looking at the Christmas story, and um, I will continue with that today. I, I looked at the story, and I felt God gave me something to, to bring to us. So I pray that we will be blessed by it. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 to 12. Verse 1 to verse 12. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Hallelujah. I read this story and... I was struck again by the seeming inconsistency in the narrative here. Where we told that a baby was born, and this baby was born in a manger. Then we go down and then we are told the next part that we read that this baby is actually the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior. And you recognize him by this sign. You find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. That must be the most striking thing about this story. That someone who, in the one breath, is declared as the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We've been told that he was born in an animal's room. He was born in a manger. Because there was no room in the inn for him. No lodging available for him. How can this be? How can God himself the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory, the creator of the universe, Jesus the Christ himself, how can he not have a place where he could be born? If a king is going to be born, what would, we should expect something better than that. So what's happening here? It just seems so incongruous. This king, this mighty one, who will save the world. And he gets born 
in all places in this world, in a manger? Well, but that is true. That is yes, a big yes to that. This kid was not only born in a manger, but he was born of very, very low parentage in terms of social status. Joseph wasn't really a nobody. Mary was a young virgin. They didn't belong to the high social class. They didn't come from the royal family or anything like that. So God chooses to come. And he chooses to come in this rather insignificant way. Rather very, very, very low way. But more than that, think of the fact that even God Almighty chose to come in the form of a human being, even in the first place. When you look at the whole story, it's, it's an amazing one. Indeed, it is a story of love. And that's what the whole Christmas story is about. It's a story of the God Almighty who came down to our level. It's an incredible story that about how God gave up all of his privileges, his glory. The angels were bowing before him before he came. He gave up all his authority. He gave up all the honor. He gave up his will, his very will itself. He gave up so much. He gave up everything that he might get close to us. But why would he do that? Why would God do that? Well, he did that to demonstrate his great love for you and I and to prove himself faithful to his promise, the promise to restore humanity back to himself. He did it so that you and I could become partakers of the divine nature again, that we might have peace with God again. Because we all know the story, how he created us, and how we fell from grace, how we fell from glory, how we got deceived by the enemy, Satan, and how now there was enmity between God and us. The friendship was lost. Communion was broken. Reconciliation was needed. And no one could do that except God himself. So he chose to come in the form of his son. This is the Christmas story of the God who came. Love incarnate. Love divine. Hallelujah. So let's see what the Bible says about this Jesus who came. Isaiah 53. It says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? You know, the story is so, it's difficult to believe. It's difficult to believe that God would do his greatest work in history, in human history, by such a means. It's difficult for people to believe. It sounds foolish to many, many people when they hear this. It says, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. That's how he grew up. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. It's not surprised that many find the story childish. They think, what's this? We, we want a king. We want a savior. Who is this? There was nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But listen... Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, 
He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This is our Jesus. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Hallelujah. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. That is the key. Because of his humility, his condescension, his coming down in the form of a man, a suffering servant, carrying our sins and our iniquities, all our shortcomings on himself. Because he did that, because of his experience, he says, my righteous servant, talking about the Christ, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. Hallelujah. In God's eyes, that made it all worth it. That you and I may be counted righteous because of his suffering. He says, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Hallelujah. And I think that there is one verse, in fact, half of a verse, that summarizes beautifully for me. Psalm 18, verse 35b. It's such a beautiful, beautiful one. It says that you have stooped to make me great. Hallelujah. Some version says, you humbled yourself to make me great. Some say, your gentleness or your humility has made me great. Brothers and sisters, that is the summary of the Christmas, the Christmas story. That in his humility, Christ gave up everything. He stooped low, really, really low. He who was fully God in every way, he emptied himself of all of that. He came down not just as a human being, but as a human being belonging to the lowest possible social class. He got born in a manger. He went through everything every baby goes through. He suffered every kind of injustice, as Isaiah 53 predicted. And then the Gospels tell us as well, all that he went through, he was despised, he was forsaken, he was slapped. All kinds of things happened. But he bore it all. Ultimately, he went to that cross because of you and I. Hallelujah. But in his eyes, it was worth it. Because through that, he was achieving something for us. He wanted to make you and I great again. Hallelujah. You have stooped to make me great. This is why he came. This is why he came in that lonely form. It's supposed to be an example for us as well. That we too who understand that greatness comes from humility. 
to rise up, we must first go down. Who do we think we are? The truth is that we are all nothing without Christ. It doesn't matter where you were born. Great parentage or not, educated or uneducated, wealthy or not wealthy, black or white, Jew or Gentile, weak or strong, it doesn't really matter. The truth is that all of us are nothing without Christ Jesus. And we are being encouraged to be like him. Philippians 2, 5 to 11 tells us this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Be really humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. That's why Jesus had to come how he came, to teach us humility. That even he, our Savior, our God, could come that way. How do we look down upon people? Then he goes on in verse 5 to say, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, though he was God, God incarnate, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Some versions say as something to be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. That's what he did. That's what Christmas is about. The God who became a human being. The God who gave up his privileges. The God who took the humble position of a slave, a servant. Even less than a servant. Because servants don't get born in mangers. And he was born as a human being. We may not realize how condescending that is. That a God Almighty who created the universe will be born as a human being. A helpless baby. But that's what he did. He says that when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Because he came, because he humbled himself, because he was obedient to the Father, because he took our sins upon himself and he went to that cross. Because of that, today he is highly exalted. Hallelujah. And he has brought glory to the Father. Let's allow the Christmas story to remind us of who we are and what we are called to as well. We are the children of God who have been redeemed by his grace through the atoning sacrifice of his only son so we might live for him and worship him forever. Christmas is about God gifting himself to the world. Have you received the gift of God? Are you saved? Have you become one with God? The truth is that all of us can come to him in humility. All of us can come humbling ourselves, realizing that no matter what foundations we have built our lives on, no matter what pedestals we have placed ourselves on, the truth is that we are nothing without him. Absolutely nothing. There's only one way that we can come to him. It may not make sense to you, but that's how our God operates. He lifts up the humble. He lifts up those who come to a place where they realize that I cannot do this on my own. I need a savior. I need a God kind of savior. 
I need the Christ himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'll read from verse 18, where we see Christ, the wisdom of God. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. This message of God coming down in the form of a human being, suffering and going to the cross and dying for us, the Bible says this message is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world will never know him through human wisdom, he used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say, it is all nonsense. What do you say? In your heart of hearts, what do you say to this story? This incredible, amazing story of the God who came into this world as a baby and who died for you and I. What, what, what do you make of it? Is it just a fable to you? Do you believe it? Does it sound foolish to you? Is it nonsense to you? It says that, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Hallelujah. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, like those born in a manger, you know, he chose things like that, counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. That is why he came, to make us right with God. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Hallelujah. That's why he came, to save us from our sins. That's why he's called Jesus, the Messiah, for he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. What are you boasting in? What are you trusting in? What are you leaning on? The wisdom of men? your social connections, what your parents have left for you, your political connections, or your self-righteousness. You think you are good. You think you've, you've obeyed all of the laws, the Ten Commandments. You don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't commit adultery. You think you can list all your good things. You don't get drunk. So you think that makes you perfect and that makes you holy, that makes you a good person. Listen, that's only one way. 
That is through the path of humility. Recognizing that you can't do it on your own. Recognize that all these connections and foundations will not stand the test of time. They won't. Your intelligence will not save you. Your riches will not save you. Your hard work will not save you. What are you boasting in? What are you trusting in? What are you or who are you leaning on? I want to encourage us as we approach Christmas and the Christmas story remind us to seek Christ, the sure foundation. Hallelujah. Christ, the wisdom of God. I want to recommend Jesus Christ to you. If you are here and you have never, ever come to the place of realizing that it is only Christ who can put you right with God. It is only through Jesus that you can be counted among the righteous ones. I want to encourage you today. This is your time. It's a wonderful opportunity for you here today. If you feel a little faith tearing up in your heart, that you're beginning to believe that, yes, I need this Jesus. I've been leaning on my own strength and my own capacities, my own connections and skills and, and intelligence and all that. Maybe you've even sought help from other spiritual powers and things like that. Today, I want to tell you that they are all going to be frustrated and it's going to lead you to distraction. There's only one sure way out of it all. Only one sure way. And that is Jesus. Hallelujah. That is coming to Jesus in humility. Recognizing that all the wisdom and the skills of men are useless. The foolishness of God in coming down as a human being, humbling himself, coming to the world as a baby, growing in obedience, going to that cross, dying for you and I, that is the answer. Come to Jesus. Surrender to him. I really want to encourage you. With all eyes closed right now, I encourage us all to stand together, please. It will be a pity if there's someone here who has never really surrendered to Jesus and we allow them to go away without giving them the opportunity to do that. It will be selfish on our part. It will be wicked on our part that we enjoy the goodness of God alone. It is his will that all men will come into these truths and find freedom and peace with God. That's why he came, to restore us to God, that we might find peace with God. We might become partakers of the divine nature. That we might have the assurance of salvation and know that we belong to God and that we are sorted forever, that we can boast in Christ Jesus also. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, if you have never really come to this place where you have surrendered totally to Jesus, I want you to do that today. The best gifts you could ever, ever receive. It's the best gift God ever gave us. The gift of himself. Hallelujah. So with all eyes closed, I want to encourage you. If you have never really committed and surrendered to him, I want you to do that now. Think about it carefully. Think about it. And you will see that it is true. You realize that there's no way you can do it on your own. You realize that you need God. And if you've come to that realization and conclusion, I want to help you to pray. You say a simple prayer, declaring your faith in Jesus, surrendering to him, asking him to take over, thanking him for what he has done, repenting 
of, of your dependence on yourself and your own ways and whatever else you have leaned on in the past. Maybe your own strength to be righteous. You repent of that today. Talk to God. His ears are ever open. His arms are ever wide open to receive every person who comes to Christ. So I want to encourage you right now, talk to God. Speak to him. Say, Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you that you came to do what we couldn't do ourselves. I recognize and I admit that I am far from you. But today, Father, I thank you that you have come to me. That you stooped so low, you came down, you stooped to make me great. You went to the cross for my sake. I believe that you died for my sins. I repent of my sins. I repent of going my own way. Today I surrender to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Restore me. I want to have peace with you, God. I want to receive your righteousness. I want to follow you. I surrender to you. You are my Savior, the Messiah. You came to save me. Thank you. And today, I ask you to be Lord of my life. Be my Lord, for you are the Lord. Be my Lord. Help me follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a very simple prayer, but I want to encourage you. If you did say this prayer to the other end, do not rush out. Come see me or come see NK. See Brother John. Talk to one of us. We're really, really, really happy for you. I would want to start a conversation with you about that. If you did that today, honestly, you would have made us the happiest people on earth today. Because for every person that crosses over, we really are excited. For those of us who are already Christians, already born again, I want to say that let the Christmas story remind us to take on Christ's humility. Let us lay down our lives for others that we might bring others to know him. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.